Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Seeking Truth podcast. We are in the middle of our Unraveling Christianity series, and today's episode, we are talking about, is it possible to lose our salvation? Now, before we get into this, we kind of need to have, you know, an understanding of, well, what is salvation and how do we obtain it? I've done an episode in this series, um, Unraveling Christianity, called What is Salvation? And I'd really encourage you to go listen to that so that we make sure that we're on the same page about what is salvation and how do we obtain it? And to recap from that episode, to just give you the highlights, we discovered that salvation uh, is obtained by believing in Jesus. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And it says, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. It says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know you have eternal life. So we see all these scriptures that point to salvation um, and eternal life comes from believing. But we also see that salvation comes from simultaneously declaring and believing. So it says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. But we also see that believing and declaring is not the whole picture, uh, because we see some scriptures like this one in uh, Matthew 7. It says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. And in James 2, it says, you believe that God is one. Good for you. Even the demons believe that and shudder. So we see that you can believe in God and still not um, receive salvation. And and Jesus will say to us, um, you know, depart from me. I never knew you. So just believing in God, just believing in Jesus is not the full picture. And I believe that these scriptures paint the fuller picture that it is believing and declaring and obeying him and knowing him. And the way to know him is through relationship with him. And, and there's scriptures that say, you know, the ones that obey me are the ones that love me. Um, and I think that paints a much fuller picture of what it means to be saved and what it means to accept Jesus into our hearts and receive eternal salvation. But Unfortunately, we can also fall away into unbelief. So people who have believed in the past can fall away into a state of not believing anymore. It says in Hebrews 3, See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. Encourage each other daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the end. So what does this mean? You know, if we've gained eternal salvation from believing, but now we don't believe, does that mean that it's taken away from us? Or did we ever actually receive the eternal salvation? Maybe we just received the promise of eternal salvation and it's something that will be given to us at the end of days on the day of judgment. Um, we can see how, yeah, talking about this topic starts to open up all of these other questions and and the way that we view this will actually impact our perspective on this topic of whether we believe that, you know, eternal salvation, eternal means eternal. If we've already received it, then how can it still be eternal if it's taken away? Or is it the promise of eternal salvation that we receive and what we do now can still influence whether we actually obtain that 
on the end of days. In 1 Peter 1, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So this scripture would indicate that it's an inheritance uh, and a promise that we are to receive later. In Hebrews, it says, though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case, the things that have had to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. So again, another scripture that seems to point to uh, doing doing the works of the Lord on earth and sticking that out, being diligent in that so that we may receive the promise and the inheritance that's been uh, given to us. But this view doesn't match up with other scriptures like John 10, 27, that says we can never be snatched out of his hand once we're saved. It says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. And another verse in Jude, it says to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault or with great joy. So we also have scriptures that would indicate that once eternal life is given to us, it can't be taken away. We can't be snatched out of his hand. And it says he keeps us from falling away. So again, we see this conflicting picture of, okay, well, on one hand, Paul is encouraging us to uh, remain faithful and remain in our belief so that we do not fall into unbelief. And on the other hand, we see scripture that points that, you know, once we've been gifted with eternal salvation that's something we can never lose we can see in the old and new testament that god is a loving and a forgiving god and he does welcome back those who have fallen away we see this in the parable of um, the prodigal son who had everything and he walked away from his inheritance and he decided to walk his own life and then he came back and his father welcomed him with open arms and jesus says that that is how our father welcomes us so you know there's hope that even if we walk away we can come back and again, all through Judges and Exodus, um, the Israelites constantly went on this push-pull with God where they believed for a time and then they walked away into unbelief and were worshipping pagan idols and, and um, worshipping other gods and then would come back. And you could see God through that time. He did have his holy judgment, his holy righteousness over them, but he would always say to them that if they repented of their sins and came back, that he would welcome them back into his family and welcome them into open arms. So we can see... In the, in the New and the Old Testament, these stories um, and these parables and these real life examples of God saying to people, you know, even if you sin, even if you walk away and, and fully disown me, I will welcome you back into my family. It's like what it says in Hebrews that we just read before. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. He will not forget our good works. But we also see times in the Bible when God, for whatever reason, 
did not allow people to repent, did not allow people to receive the promises that he had given them originally. So we see um, the generation of Israelites prior to receiving the promised land uh, were left in the desert to pass away before the remnant of that um, nation were able to receive the promised land and move into that. Uh, And we can look at that and God explains that those people were not uh, entitled or not able to receive the promise that he had promised them because of their hearts. Their heart were not in the right position. And so we can see that if we choose to continue to live in that unbelief and choose to continue to live in that sinful state, that yes, it does actually impact us being able to receive what God's promised us. Not that the promise isn't still there and the promised land was still there and the promised land was still eternal, but their ability to receive that was impacted. It says in Hebrews 3, uh, And with whom was he angry with for 40 years? Was it not those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. So whether he knew that they would never come to repentance or whether he knew that he needed to get rid of whatever sin was in their hearts so that it would not be passed on, I don't think we'll ever fully know. I don't think we'll ever truly know why he makes decisions like that. You know, why certain cities he, you know, completely destroyed and declared that there was not one faithful person in those cities and then other cities he did save just for a few faithful people. And so we have to, I guess, trust that he does know our hearts. He does know whether or not we are ever going to come back to repentance. Um, and I guess if we continue to live in that state of unbelief and, and we will never come back to repentance, that that may jeopardize our ability to receive the promises that he has given us. We will get back to our episode very quickly. I'm just coming on here to let you guys know about uh, my This Is Love poetry book. This is a Christian poetry book filled with 50 poems of God's beautiful voice speaking over us, encouraging us and telling us how much he loves us. And when I wrote this book, um, these were poems that were written very personal in my journals, never meant to be shared. They were God speaking over me, um, how he saw us as sons and daughters of the faith. And God wanted me to turn this into a book to speak to people just like you and encourage you. And so you can hear his words in your heart. I know how hard it is sometimes reading a Bible and you're reading just the, the words on the page and you're struggling to connect this book will really connect with the heart of who you are and really allow you to hear God's words of love all over you. So if you want a copy of the book, head on to my website, emmajanecatchpole.com.au and order This Is Love. It's available in paperback. It's available in ebook, and it's a really great book. Go get it. I believe the, the promised land, as I touched on before, is a parallel to to receiving heaven. Some people may come really close and they have been walking with God on and off for a period of time before that and then come to this place where they're just stuck in their unbelief and that that really impacts on their ability to then receive that promise of eternal protection and eternal life with God. I I think that that story of the promised land, you know, does really parallel our um, 
message of hope for receiving the promised land of of this new heaven this new creation that we are to receive and as the scriptures have pointed out before that you know we have to remain believing in god um, and knowing god to have relationship with him to be saved something that is very humbling to read uh, is a passage in hebrews 6 now this is a passage that uh, theologians uh do sit on two camps about because it does seem to point that we can lose our salvation and never regain it. Um, so Hebrews 6, it says, It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back again to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting him to public disgrace. Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed receives the blessing of God. But the land that produces thorns and and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. So a few things about this passage. The word impossible truly means impossible when you look at the root word that that was translated from. It's the same impossible when it says it is impossible for God to lie. So we know it is, it's truly impossible. But it is not clear whether it is impossible because on their part they're not repenting or is it impossible because God will not allow them to come back to repentance. The scripture talks about this is someone who has not just believed in God and never actually experienced God. It's someone who's fully experienced God, had relationship with him, have tasted you know, the fruits of the spirit and then have walked away still. And so is it that they'll never come back to repentance because they've already tasted and seen and experienced everything that God has to offer and they've still decided they don't want that? Is that why they won't ever come to repentance? This is a passage that I think it is very complicated and difficult to understand and and maybe we will never understand it. Maybe we will never understand why it is impossible for these people and yet for the prodigal son, it was not impossible to come back to repentance. Maybe we should just look at this scripture as a warning against those who have tasted the fullness of God and walk away and choose to slip back into our old patterns slip back into unbelief. It's not just talking about a little bit of sin here. It says they've fallen away from God. They no longer believe in him. They're no longer walking with him at all. So this is not people who believe and are struggling. This is not people who have a bit of doubt or or, or trust issues with God. These are people who have fully rejected God and walked away, even after tasting everything. We also know that God talks about this parable of us as the branches and him as the vine. And he gives, gives this beautiful parable, um, well, Paul gives this beautiful parable in Romans 11, talking about this idea of, of the branches and the vine and talking about how people can fall away and come back in. So I'll just read it out for you. It says, now if some branches have been broken off and you, and you a wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others to share in the nourishment of the olive root, Do not boast over those branches. If you do remember this, you will not support the root. The root supports you. 
You will then say branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. And that is correct. They were broken off because of unbelief. But you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but be afraid. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will certainly not spare you either. Take notice, therefore, of the kindness and severity of God. Severity to those who fell, but kindness to you, if you continue in his kindness. Otherwise, you will also be cut off. And if they do not persist in unbelief, they will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if you were cut off from a wild olive tree and contrary to nature were grafted into one that is cultivated, how much more readily will these, the natural branches, be grafted into their own olive tree? So this was talking about the Jewish people and um, that they could fall away from God uh, and not believe in God and come back. And that's why they were the natural branches, because the Jewish people have always grown up with this relationship with God. And then it's talking about us, the Gentiles, who didn't grow up from that background and have learnt about God um, on our journey and being grafted into this, this plant of relationship with God. And it's talking about how those people who were cut off can be grafted back in, which again, this doesn't quite seem to match up with what we've just read before in Hebrews, talking about those who've tasted the fullness of God and then have fallen away, that it's impossible for them to repent. Again, we may, we may never know on this side of eternity what actually happens. Is it that it's, it's them, it's they don't want to repent. You know, they've tasted everything, they've seen everything in their hearts. You know, it's impossible for them to repent now. And that's when they'll be um, put into the fire. It says they're in danger of being burned. The last thing I want to talk about on this topic, um, a bit more scripture to kind of understand this, is about the book of life. Now, the book of life is talked about uh, mainly in Revelation. It is the book of the names of all of the people who will be saved or who are saved, depending on how you look at this topic. Um, So I'm going to read some scripture about the book of life and let's unpack it together to see what it says. Okay, so this is from Revelation um, 20. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books, according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds." And if anyone's name was not found in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. So the book of life judges us according to our deeds. So how does that fit with, you know, those who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Those who believe in him will be saved. Well, maybe it links back to those other scriptures that it says, you know, those who who know me and love me are the ones who obey me. So through our belief, we should be knowing God and loving God and having relationship with him and then acting out those deeds. And it's through those deeds and it's through that relationship and knowing God and actually believing in God that we'll be saved. But there's scripture. Jesus says to us that our names are in the book of life. And Jesus said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Behold, I've given you authority to, to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the powers of the enemy and nothing will injure you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. 
So our names are in the book of life. Our names are recorded in heaven in this book. But our names can also be erased from the book of life. It says, this is back in Revelation, to the angel of the church in Sardis, he who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die. For I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. So remember what you have received and heard and keep it and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. But you who have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments and they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments and I will not erase his name from the book of life and I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So it says that those who have an ear and and hold fast to um, what we've received and heard, it says, and repent and continue to walk with him, we will be clothed in white. And if we do not, it says that he will um, erase our name from the book of life. So our names may be in the book of life now, but it is possible for our names to be erased from the book of life. And again, this passage does talk about deeds. It talks about um, making sure that we're remaining in that knowledge and that truth of Jesus and our salvation and continuing to do things that are worthy. So in summary, we have these two uh, really parallel sides to the story, or perhaps they're not parallel at all. They, they completely paint a, a picture of we have received salvation by believing in God. But on top of believing in God, we also should be knowing him and loving him and outworking his deeds. And just believing in God is not enough because even demons believe in God. And God will say to some of us um, on the end of days, depart from me, I never knew you. So it's about believing in him and knowing him and having relationship with him. And we know that we have received the promise of salvation. But when have we received that promise? Have we received, have we received the fullness of it now? Or is it something that is inherited in heaven, like it says? And maybe we have received it now, but we are in danger of losing that because our name can be marked out of the book of life. It is, it is a very complicated topic. It's a very complex topic. And my job today was not to convince you of one way or another. My job today was just to present to you some of the scriptures that paint both sides of this picture. And for each of us to go away and pray about this and talk to God about it and try and unpack for ourselves what what is happening. And maybe we will never understand. Maybe it's something that as humans thinking in a linear timeline and with our limited knowledge and logical reasoning that we will never understand. But a word of encouragement for you guys that are listening to this, if you are a Christian, if you do believe in God and you are doing his good works in the world, I do not believe you are in danger of losing your salvation because the fact that you're listening to this and you're, and you're trying to learn about him and you're trying to grow your relationship with him shows that you do know him and you are seeking him. I think what this might help us with is holding steadfast in those times of trials when we are tempted to walk away from the faith, when we are tempted to disobey God and throw in the towel that 
in doing so we could be giving up the most precious gift of all and it should also encourage us to look out for our fellow believers our brothers and sisters in the faith who are struggling and are in danger of falling away from God or walking into unbelief that we should really be around them and loving them and protecting them and helping maintain that relationship they have with God because they too could be in danger of losing the salvation that they've gained I'm going to end on one final verse which I think summarizes our call here on earth regardless of what happens on the day of judgment regardless of um, what happens after we die I'm going to leave us with one verse that should encourage us to continue living this life with God this is from Hebrews again great chapter love Hebrews Hebrews 12, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. So I just pray over you guys, anyone that's listening to this, anyone that's watching this, that we can run with perseverance this this journey this faith journey that we are on it is difficult it is not easy all the time but i know that if we stay true to god if we continue to love god and continue to outwork his will in our lives that we will receive the promise of eternal salvation at the end of times god bless you i'll see you in our next episode bye